we come before you in prayer once more, we just want to say thank you. God, we ask, as we always do, that you would bless our time together as we pour over your word, Lord, that it would minister to us and better equip us to serve you and, and serve those that you've created in love. And we love you, God. We thank you for everything that you are and everything that you've done. And we pray this in the mighty and powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Good morning, guys. I'm tired. I don't know if you guys are, are tired. I'm ready for my son to go back to school on Monday. We took a trip this last week. Uh, the trip actually got postponed. We took a trip up north uh, near the Oregon border in California to go see some family. And on, on a map, it's about an eight or nine hour drive. But we have a new baby, and he's the boss. So going up, it was about 10 hours. And then coming back, you know, there was an accident on 99 uh, somewhere between Sacramento and, and Modesto. And this time it was a 13 hour drive. And goodness, I was just talking with Terry before church, and uh, man, it's, it, I used to be able to, to just drive and drive and drive and not care, and uh, now I need a few days to recoup, you know? So I'm glad you guys are here, if you're tired also. Thank you for being here. I know how easy it is to, to not do a thing, you know what I mean? You wake up and you're like, am I going to go Am I going to go to church? Am I going to go do this or that or the other? And it's, it's so very easy, and in fact, it's very pleasing uh, to just say no and not go... <laughs> So thank you so much for being here. We're going to be in a week two today of uh, this, this short series that we're in, we're in called uh, Love Has a Name. And, and the idea today is that love requires action, not just like ideas or, or theories, you know? Uh, the scripture we're going to be working out of is uh, the Gospel of Matthew chapter 22, verses 35 through 40, and Proverbs 14, 4. So if you'd like to uh, bookmark those, that's Matthew 22. 35 through 40, and Proverbs 14, 4. So we all have these theories and ideas, right? I know I'm not the only one. I didn't see any heads nodding, so you guys must be tired. That's cool. I got it. Here's, I got it. Here's, here's a few things I'm just going to run by you. Um, before I was married, I had theories about how to have an amazing marriage. I thought my spouse would be so blessed to be with such an enlightened husband. <laughs> Before I pastored, um, I, I really thought I knew what to expect, and so far I get a new thing every day that I would never have expected. Uh, before I had kids, I had all kinds of ideas and theories on, on, on parenting, raising obedient children and having a, like a, a problem-free house. The list could go on and on. Um, I'm sure many of you have similar lists. We all know that theories are great, right? Until, of course, they have a head-on collision with reality. So how you envision things going is rarely the same as, as how they actually go. The truth is that this also applies to dealing with people. Loving people is really simple in theory, but it can be really, really, really messy in reality. Thankfully, we have a good teacher. Uh, we learn from Jesus that, that love is so much more than a theory. So if you have, uh, if you have your Bibles open to Matthew 22, we're going to jump right in. 
Uh, did I say 35 through 40 earlier? Thank you, sir. All right. So 34 through 40. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. Have you guys heard me mention this before? I've mentioned this, uh, this passage at least half of the times that I've been up here, if, if not more, and with good reason. Before we go any further, let's take a look at this religious leader, this expert in the law. When I read scripture, I often ask myself, pardon me, I often ask myself three simple questions. And those are these, who is speaking, who is being spoken to, and what is being said? Just so I can better understand the text. In this case, we know that the Jesus is speaking to, we know who that is. Uh, we know that he's speaking to a religious leader, an expert in the law, it clarifies. But that, that might be where your understanding stops. That's kind of where my understanding stopped. So two groups of people are mentioned in this, in this passage, the Sadducees and the Pharisees. The Sadducees are mentioned when he says, uh, when, when scripture says that uh, hearing that they had, he had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. So there's these two people groups. Who are they? Religious leaders. Okay, we got that. Why? Like, what's, 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 uh, what marks them with leadership, you know? Let's, let's learn a little more about them. As you, as you read the different stories of Jesus's life in the New Testament, what we often call the Gospels, uh, you'll quickly notice that, that many people who were opposed to Jesus's teaching and, and public ministry uh, are often mentioned. These people are, are labeled in Scripture pretty frequently as religious leaders or teachers of the law. And if you dig deeper, you'll find that, that these teachers were divided into two main groups, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Stick with me. I know that this, this seems like it's just a, a lecture at the moment. <laughs> Stick with me. So there were quite a few differences between these two groups. However, we'll need to start with their, uh, their similarities in, in order to understand the differences more clearly. So let's look at those real quick. The similarities are these. As, as I mentioned, both the Pharisees and the Sadducees were religious leaders of the Jewish people during Jesus's time, during his day. And it's important because most of the Jewish people during that time believed their religious practices held sway over every part of their life. So the Pharisees and the Sadducees each held a lot of power and, and influence, not over just the, the religious lives of the Jewish people, but their finances, their work habits, their family lives. And both the Pharisees and Sadducees were experts in the law, meaning that they were experts on the Jewish scriptures, also known as what we call the, the Old Testament today. Um, and actually, the expertise of the Pharisees and Sadducees went beyond the scriptures themselves, which is kind of a dangerous thing. It went beyond the scriptures. They were also experts on what it meant to interpret the law of the Old Testament. As an example, well, the Ten Commandments made it, uh, made it clear that God's people should not work on the Sabbath. People began to question, like, what does it mean to work? What, you know, well, where's the work around, you know? 
So that's where these guys come in. You know, was it, was it disobeying God's law to, to buy something on the Sabbath? Was that a business transaction and, and therefore work? Similarly, was it against God's law to plant a garden on the Sabbath, which could be interpreted as farming or for leisure? Who knows? So these guys, they look at the law, they dissect it, and they say, I think I know best. And these people were separated into these two groups, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So given these questions, both of these groups made it their business to create hundreds of extra instructions and stipulations based on their interpretations of God's law. So naturally, these groups didn't always see eye to eye. They didn't always agree on, on everything or how anything should be, everything should be interpreted. The main differences, it's going to the differences real quick, between the Pharisees and the Sadducees was their differing opinions on the supernatural aspects of religion. So simply put, the Pharisees believed in the supernatural, angels, demons, heaven, hell, and so on, while the Sadducees did not. And in this way, the Sadducees, Sadducees were largely secular in their practice of religion, if that makes sense. They denied the idea of being resurrected from the grave after death. In fact, they denied any notion of an afterlife, which means they rejected the concepts of being, I'm sorry, of, of an eternal blessing or eternal punishment. They believed that, that life is all there was. So the Sadducees also frequently scoffed at the idea of spiritual beings, such as angels or demons. The Pharisees, on the other hand, were much more invested in, in the religious aspects of their faith, of their religion. They, they, they took Old Testament scriptures literally. Like they read it and there was no real interpretation of what, what scripture said. They might have uh, dissected the law, but when it came to the, uh, the stories in scripture, they took them quite literally, which meant that they very much believed in angels and other spiritual beings and they were completely invested in the promise of an afterlife for God's chosen people. The other large difference between the Pharisees and the Sadducees was one of status or standing in, in society. And this is kind of what it all boils down to. Most of the Sadducees were aristocratic, I think is probably the best word to use. They came from families of noble birth who were very well connected in the political landscape of their day. We might, we might call them old money in modern terminology. And because of this, the Sadducees were typically well-connected with the ruling authorities among the Roman government. They held a great deal of political power. The Pharisees, on the other hand, were mostly close-connected with, uh, with like the common people, the people of the Jewish culture. And they, they were typically merchants or, or business owners who had become wealthy enough to turn their attention to studying and interpreting the scriptures, and we might call them new money. So they had become successful enough that they could devote their time to studying the law, to studying scripture. And to a certain extent, they were, they were doing the same thing as the other group. But the other group was allowed to because they were just from money. They were, they were old aristocratic blood. So whereas the Sadducees had a lot of political power because of their connections with Rome, the Pharisees had a lot of power because of their influence over the masses of people in Jerusalem and the surrounding areas. And despite these differences, both the Pharisees and Sadducees were able to join. There was one thing that they agreed on. 
Now, we know, now that we know a little bit about these, both, both these groups, uh, there's one thing, this one thing that they super agreed on, and that was that Jesus needed to go. So despite their differences, they were able to join forces against somebody who they both believed was a threat, Jesus. Thank you for going along on that ride. Let's get back to it. Uh, that actually brings us right back to where we started. So one more time. Matthew 22 and 34 starts like this. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, he said, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. Now, at this time... There were more than 600 commandments enforced by the religious leaders. And if you were a good and righteous person, you were, you were supposed to follow them all. And that's how you remained holy and faithful. This, this expert in the law was, was one among many conspiring against Jesus. And in this moment, he wanted to make him look bad and, and discredit him in front of others. So he asked, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? So he's asking of the more than 600 laws that religious leaders enforced, which is the most important to follow? And Jesus replies so simply and beautifully, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. Jesus takes all these rules and commands and he makes it really, really easy to understand. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Simple, right? Jesus also says in, in chapter 5 of the Gospel of Matthew, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So there aren't 600 plus rules anymore. Now there are just two. It's easy. How hard can it be? Anybody can keep just two rules. First off, who doesn't want to love Jesus? And how hard can it be to, to love your neighbor? In theory, this, this thing, this loving people thing, it sounds so great. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Got it. This is so simple in theory. Loving people and loving your neighbors sounds so straightforward and doable. And if this is all it takes, if these are the only two commandments and all the others hang on these two, then I, then I think we're going to be okay. But in reality, love is messy. Love is messy. Proverbs 14, 14 reads like this, where there are no oxen, the manger is clean, but from the strength of an ox comes an abundant harvest. Basically, it says if you, if you want a clean barn, don't keep any animals. Just don't expect an abundant harvest. And if you want an easy, problem-free life, just keep other people out of it. But like the proverb says, don't expect any of the benefits either. And I know some of you might be wondering, do you have to love your neighbor if they leave their trash everywhere? 
Uh, do you have to love your neighbor if they're selling drugs out of their house? Do, uh, do you have to love your neighbor if they have 27 cars parked up the driveway and along the street? Do you have to love your neighbor if they're of a, of a different uh, orientation, color, or belief system than me? Do I have to love those people too? And I, and I think we all know the answer here. It's just love your neighbor as yourself. It's very simple, right? Again, loving people in theory, it sounds so easy, but in reality, it can, it can just get really messy really quickly. Love is so much more than a theory or an, or an idea. How did Jesus love? Let's look into that. I want to I take a moment to be candid about some things with you today. Oftentimes, when I look around at the church myself, and the lives that, that, that we lead, everything seems so nice and clean. And don't get me wrong, we all, we all like to talk about Scripture and, and wrestle through theology together and, and meet like this and meet in our small groups, you know. Uh, but for the most part, a lot of what we do is, is internally focused. It feels good to do uh, a bit of daily reading a time in devotion or prayer, it feels good to attend service, to tithe, to volunteer in a ministry if that's your, if that's your, uh, your MO. However, we can, we can so easily become comfortable with all these things, and they're not bad things, but we can com- become comfortable in them. And the issue is that, that our good and godly routines can keep us from interactions and experiences with others who really need to hear the gospel. If our faith never moves us into action, then we may want to reconsider our faith or how we understand it. James chapter 2, verses 14 through 16, read like this. What, is, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and, and daily food. If, if one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. For many of us, we've got our nice houses or, you know, nice, maybe compared to, to what others do or don't have. We've got a nice lawn, maybe. Maybe it's on the nice side of town in a nice neighborhood, and we're separated from anything dirty, messy, or difficult. And it almost seems like we, like the longer that we follow Jesus, and this is true, the longer that we follow Jesus, the neater, the cleaner, and the more sterile our lives become because we're not taking part in, th- in, in, in the things that get us all mucky, right? Stick with me on this. It almost seems like the longer we follow Jesus, the neater, the cleaner, the more sterile our lives seem to become. And in many ways, this appears to be very different from the way that Jesus lived his life. He interacted with people like Zacchaeus, who we talked about last week. Zacchaeus was despised in his community and And yet we see that Jesus invited himself over to his house for dinner. Jesus frequented the tables and the homes of of people who were very different from him, people that a religious man would not want to be seen with. 
Jesus hung out with people that others tried to ignore. He, he, he learned their names. He listened to their stories. He shared meals with them, and, and he challenged them in love and in truth without expectation. I think a lot of times when we pour into somebody's life, we're like, man, yeah, I'm going to do good. I'm going to share the gospel. I'm going I'm to help them wherever they, wherever they need. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to do, I'm going to do, I'm going to do, and they're going to do good too. And then what happens if they don't? Well, that scars us a little bit. And we think, well, I did all that good for nothing. And that begs the question, why are you doing good? Love wasn't just an idea or a theory for Jesus. It was his reason for being. It was his reason for being and, and living and moving in and through the lives of others. And it might sound like a, a strange illustration, but I'm going to call out Brad real quick here. Um, you guys ever eat ribs? Brad, Brad makes a mean rack of ribs. I think that loving people is a lot like eating ribs. If you ever had some good ribs, you know that there's just no clean way to do it. You're going to get messy. There is just no way to eat ribs and stay clean. And there's no clean way to love others. It's not neat. It's not tidy. It's a messy business. C.S. Lewis once said, there is no safe investment. To love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even to an animal. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. Lewis verbalizes a reality that many of us live in order to avoid the messiness of love and relationships. Mother Teresa once said, never worry about the numbers. Just help one person at a time and always start with the person nearest you. Love stops being a nice idea or theory when we start loving the people around us. When theories turn to action, we see our weakness on full display. But we also see the power of God working through our weakness. Maybe this is the way it's supposed to be. I mean, if Jesus can live, leave, pardon me, if Jesus can leave his, his heavenly throne, take on the humble nature of a servant, live and die to reconcile us, all of us, to the Father for the rest of eternity, then I think that we can, we can get our hands a little dirty too. Now, if you want to turn back in your memories by about 15 minutes, do you remember at the beginning of the message I shared with you several things I had theories about? about how I was going to be a good parent, a good pastor, a good husband, and how things just work out differently. It's a little messier. All of those things made sense before practical application. It's always after doing something that I realize it was different than I thought it would be. In every case, it was much more difficult than I could have imagined, but on the flip side, it was also much more satisfying and fulfilling. We got a lot of parents in the room. It's harder than you thought it would be, right? But it's also better 
than you thought it would be, or at least it was for me. I hope that's your truth as well. The love for your children is deeper than you ever could have imagined. I say to my little one all the time, I just love you too much. I love you too much. It's crazy. It is insane how much I love that child. And, I, and more, with every passing moment, look at that thing. He takes all of the attention uh, that, that my wife should give to me away from me and, and he loses sleep for us and he just cries and we change his diapers and I just like, let's, whoever invented this, like this is a really crummy like exchange of goods and services. But I love him so much and more and more each day. And the same could be said for a great many things, marriage, education, all manner of pursuits and betterment. Stop theorizing about loving others and just start. Start small, start close. Your neighbors, your coworkers, outside of your comfort zone, but within arm's reach. Last week I challenged challenged us to learn someone's name. You know, I, I hesitated on whether or not to share this. Um, I always hesitate to share uh, uh, certain things because I don't want it to appear as if I'm uh, trying to point the attention to me and uh, what I did. But I, I wanted to point out what I, what I saw as kind of a success and a failure. So challenge last week was was to learn someone's name, right? To get out of your comfort zone and, and like really, if you, if you see a passerby or somebody that needs help, just to, to learn their name, to, to pray for them, you know, get to know their story just a little bit. Well, as I mentioned, we were coming back from Northern California on Friday and we stopped uh, just outside of Sacramento for fuel. And when we pulled up, Kara pointed out that there was somebody eating from one of the trash cans between the gas pumps. And my heart just shattered, you know. Uh, but I was also like seven hours into a four-hour drive, and I was upset, <laughs> and I didn't want to be compassionate. So I started the fuel on the car, and I went ahead and I walked up to, to this person, and they were wearing a big, big, like, hooded, furry jacket, and I couldn't tell if it was a man or a woman. And then she dropped her hood as I approached, and, and I said, hey, uh, I, can, I, can I buy you something to eat? And she said, yeah. And, and she, she responded very quickly and, and in choppy um, language. And I could see that she had some sort of speech impediment, impediment and, and possibly some, some mental health issues or something. You know, she was pretty jumpy. And I said, well, come with me into the store and we'll, we'll pick you out something to eat. And she said, I'm, I'm actually not allowed in there. And I just, man. So I went inside and, and I, I bought her lunch and I brought it back out to her. And I said, hey, what's your name? And she said, my name is Serene. And I said, Serene, can I pray with you? And she said, no, please don't. And that's where I say that it's, it's a fail. It's not a fail, I know. But I, I just wanna, I wanted to share that with you because I think that sometimes maybe a pastor or somebody who's a mentor to you might encourage you to go do something good and, and say, it's just, you know, it's gonna be so good. You're gonna feel so, so good about sharing the gospel, about being, being God's goodness here on earth. And, and it's just going to work out. And then sometimes, in reality, in practical application, you might talk to somebody who's addicted or has some mental health issues 
or has religious or, or, or spiritual-based baggage. And when you bring up God, Jesus, or prayer, they say, please don't. But don't let that stop you. Thank you for letting me share that. Um, I just wanted to lend that to you to be realistic about, about what this looks like. It's not always going to be a success story. Sometimes it's going to be, can I help you? And they say yes, but stop right there. This week, I want to I challenge you to, to continue in that venture. I want to I ask you to, to love someone near to you as you would love and care for yourself, as you would take care of yourself. Buy a stranger a cup of coffee or a meal. Become a mentor to a foster parent. Simply walk alongside another adult or, or anybody that, that's struggling. Befriend an addict. Reach out to somebody you haven't talked to in a while. Pay for somebody's groceries. Feed them if you can. This challenge is going to look different for all of us. But I, I want to share something that I want you to, to, to make your prayer. I'm going to be praying, and I want you to pray as well, that God would bring some messy and broken people to love into your life. I want us to pray that, that we would be willing to love them, to learn their names and their stories. I want us to be praying that, that when we walk out these doors today, that, that our life would be messier. When I opened this morning, I, I mentioned that when I read Scripture, I often ask myself these three simple questions. Who is speaking? Who is being spoken to? And what is, is being said? Just to better understand the text. So I want to ask you guys, who is Jesus speaking to today? Who are you? Have you become something close to the religious leaders of Jesus' day? Do you hold sway with the common man? Do you have influence with the local elite? Has your life become dictated by religion? Or are you are your good works driven by faith in Jesus? Who is Jesus speaking to today? Is it you? It's my prayer that our ideas about loving others would be reflected by our actions in loving others and that our efforts in loving others wouldn't be merely an attempt to grow closer to Jesus, but a result of having put our faith in him. Would you join me in prayer?